pesky pole down the line. Another episode of the Pesky Podcast. I'm your host, the Wit, the Rit. With me is the OG George Sutherland, and today we're going to be talking about Mr. Craig Brazelow coming back to Boston. And we, I was thinking, who else knows more about what Craig's been doing for the past couple years? So I reached out to Mr. Crawley's Cubs and. Here he is to give us a little insight. So what's going on, man? How you been doing? Well, I wasn't even going to come on. I was so pissed at you guys for 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 poaching <laughs> our guy, man. I'm pissed off. That's how I am. Hey, things things happen for a reason. Uh, you know, when you were on early this season, we were talking, and you were you were going through some pitchers, you know, pitching prospects, you know. Uh, were any of these pitching prospects somebody that Breslow was helping, you know, bring in or? Well, so so you got to kind of go back here. It, it, it's it's not as easy as that. It, it's it's when you kind of go back. Obviously, um, your listeners will know that there are plenty of ties um, between the Red Sox and the Cubs. I mean, just two historic franchises. Uh, but when we got Theo Epstein. Mm-hmm. Um, to be the president of baseball operations. And he brought in um, Jed Hoyer as the GM and, and, and Jason McLeod and all these guys, the Boston connections were obviously, there was a lot of them, right? Um, when those guys kind of came in, they cleaned house. The Cubs were just an absolute mess when they came in. I want to say 2010, 2011, right around there. And um, the farm system was a joke. Um, the, the Cubs, you know, they, they went back to back division championships, but were swept in the first round in 2000, 2007, 2008. And then 2009 was just a disaster. They thought it would be a good, a good idea to get Milton Bradley because, you know, he's a nice calming presence in the clubhouse. And so everything was just a disaster. And those guys came in and, and you saw what they did. They, 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 they were very similar to the Houston Astros in the, the concept of tank get draft picks, tank, get draft picks. And that's what they did to build up the farm system. And so over the years, the Cubs decided that the way they were going to go was to draft hitters, right? And then you were going to pay for pitchers. So they were drafting and acquiring young guys. Um, As far as hitters are concerned, you're taking a look at Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, Javi Baez, uh, if you remember, Addison Russell was a guy that we had. Yeah. And, and there were a lot more, too. You know, those were just some of those guys that the Cubs got. Eloy Jimenez, Glabar Torres, uh, Jaime Candelario. Those were all guys that the Cubs got going through their system. And so when you went back to those days, uh, the, they were we call them the dark days, 2011 to 2014, the Cubs were losing about 100 games a season. It was just awful. And the only thing we had going for us was like, hey, you hear about these guys on the farm system. But of all those guys I just listed, what did you notice about all of them? 
Oh, they're all gone now. What else? They're not pitchers. Not a single pitcher in the group. Okay. And so you could sit there and you ask guys about that farm system that was just absolutely tremendous when they came there. There were no pitchers. And so the concept was we're going to buy pitchers. And that's what they had to do. They bought, they brought in um, John Lester, of course. Mm-hmm. They brought in um, John Lackey, another Boston guy. And so they started doing that. And so the plan was get these, buy your pitching, have your hitters prospects come up. And before you got to pay them, you know what I mean? You know how the arbitration system works and blah, blah, blah. By that time, once those guys need to get paid, the pitching should come up. And, and then that way you could pay the position players. And now the, the pitching is going to be cheaper, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they could not develop pitching of any kind in that run. And so during that time, you're sitting here. And as the Cubs were, 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 were in the middle of their contention window, they couldn't get anybody to be a reliever. They couldn't get anybody to be a starter. Nobody. Kyle Hendricks, he came from um, uh, the Rangers, actually. And he, he, he was through the system a lot. But other than that, they had nobody, no arms. So every time they needed to get an arm, they had to go back into the system. So again, you take a look at Glabar Torres. He goes to the Yankees so we can get a Raldis Chapman and get the World Series. Traded, uh, we, we had to buy you Darvish, right? So we had to pay to get you Darvish. We paid to get Tyler Chatwood. We had to um, trade guys for Eloy Jimenez. We, we traded to get so we could get Jose Quintana. So basically, because we couldn't develop pitching, and Heimer Candelario, we got from Detroit, we got gave uh, to Detroit for Justin Wilson. Because we couldn't develop pitching of any kind, we had to keep paying it. So the payroll's going up, and all these other guys now, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, uh, Anthony Rizzo's contract went up. All these guys are getting to get paid, and so we're kind of in a bind here where we have no pitching. We've now traded away everybody in the farm system to get pitching. Mm-hmm. And, and we, you know, the cupboard was bare at that point. And so um, at that point, you know, in 2020, uh, they made it to the postseason. And then in 2021, everyone's due to get paid at the end of the season. And that's when the Cubs are going to ha- trade everybody. They, they start out trading you Darvish first. And then they started, tra- then at the deadline, they, they traded, uh, right, the first guy was Jock Peterson. And then all of a sudden in one weekend, it was Anthony Rizzo, then Javi Baez, then Chris Bryant. So imagine that, that, that punch in the gut. But in 2019, the Cubs bring back Craig Breslow, okay? Mm-hmm. And you guys are familiar with Breslow from his time in Boston. And he is one of those guys, when, when you talk about him, is that he is extremely, extremely intelligent. One of those Ivy League guys, and you know they're all over baseball now, uh, double major, molecular physics and biochemistry, um, because, you know, why not? Uh, (laughs) You know, nice, easy majors, right? Um, Yeah, Trump's what I got. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know too many people that are going to top that, right? So you got those two guys, you know, those two majors, but he played major league baseball, right? And he played for a lot of different teams. So when you talk about a, a Theo Epstein, right? Another, another Ivy league guy, he never played the game. He never got DFA'd. He never got traded. He never had to deal with all of those things, but Craig Breslow did. So he brought not only the intelligence, but the experience of understanding what the players went through. And so when you talk about bringing in uh, Craig Breslow, 
the Cubs realized that that the big problem that they had last time they tried to go on a run was the lack of pitching. The pitching infrastructure was garbage. And so it was up to Breslow to build that pitching infrastructure and really kind of say, okay, where are we having at least a little bit of success and where are we lacking? And there were plenty of places that they were lacking, but he's a guy that uses data, you know, technology, Rapsodo, all of those things. He was really kind of early on, right? Mm-hmm. Really early on into those things and trying to develop these guys in the organization. So it's not just the Cubs. I think this time around, they're they're really focusing not only on scouting but also on development, throwing technology in there. And and Craig Breslow is part of a group. We have Justin Stone on the hitting side. Craig Breslow was on the pitching side. Dan Kantrovitz, who the Mets are now looking at poaching, was our scouting guy. And so we, the Cubs built up a farm system that I, you know, when you compare the two farm system probably doesn't have the blue chip prospects that the original farm system did from before, Mm -hmm. but what it lacks in blue chip prospects, it has in a lot of, it has a ton of depth. And so that's the thing, you know, you guys know is that you have to keep churning these guys out. Uh, Unfortunately, yeah, there is, you know, as much as fans don't like to talk about it, there's a salary cap, you know what I mean? And, and, and when you talk, not, you know, a salary cap, but when you talk about the luxury tax and all the penalties that come along with it, it's not just, you know, you're paying money, you know, you lose uh, international free agent signing money, you lose draft picks, you lose all sorts of stuff. You have to keep churning that out in your system. And that's Craig Breslow, not only, and, and Dan Kantrovitz and all the guys, they made sure that we had depth in a lot of different places. So, that's what Dan, that's what Craig Breslow did is not only, you know, making sure that they were drafting, you know, working with the guys in the drafting department, working with the guys in the scouting department, uh, and then the player development. It has to continue. Just because you draft them, you have to take them to the next level. And again, if you're a good team or if you're making the playoffs or you're close to the playoffs, Cubs missed it the final weekend of the season, um, you know, you're not going to get the number one draft pick. And even then, that, there's no guarantee that those are going to work out. You know, we've seen – you know, Mark Appel was the number one draft pick when we got Chris Bryant. Is they're not mm-hmm. always going to work out, but you have to get guys that you can bring up to the next level that maybe weren't blue chip prospects that can't miss guys, but guys that can contribute to the major league roster, especially like you know in the bullpen. Well, maybe you're not going to get a ton of starters. That's a lot hard, but you got to be able to develop guys and go in the bullpen. And the Cubs for years have not had anyone with velocity. And, and and you guys can see how velocity plays in the postseason. You you got to miss bats. Too many things can happen. There's just too much variance if if you're pitching to contact. Exactly. Uh, a couple points that you brought up that I want to sit there and touch on. <clears throat> One, how you said about everybody in the organization's got to work together. Yeah. You know, from you know the scouts all the way up to you know. The, the general manager, you guys got to work together on every level. And I don't think with the Boston Red Sox and, and George can chime in. I don't think that we worked together since Heimbloom got here very well at all. Uh, because there were in between in the middle, the player development and the actual managers on the field. I don't think, they really worked well with Heimbloom and the scouts or, you know, anything in between. 
George, uh, well, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, that was fairly obvious. I mean, um, there was, uh, you know, Bloom probably had an affinity to his, you know, data people in the back room. Okay, that's kind of like his thing. But you could see, you know, even with his relationship with Cora, it, it was it was broken. Um, and, you know, that's not to, you know, say that he wasn't a good person. He was, by all accounts. He's, he, you know, he was very generous with his time and, you know, very engaging to talk to. But, you know, in terms of building the interpersonal relationships that you need in any organization, as the head guy, you've got to make sure everybody's on the same page. You know, you know, if you're a manager, you know, you don't have to love each other, but you certainly have to get everybody moving in the right direction. That's, I think, one of the things that was missing, uh, you know, for Heim Bloom. And it's it's going to be exceptionally important. And I think this is where Breslow brings his experience, not only in the, you know, in terms of, you know, his his intellect, but, you know, his he understands what baseball players, you know, think and do. He's been in the game a long time. He has... Uh, and he certainly has the capability and, you know, intellect to put everybody on the same page and manage in that direction. And that's going to be important because there's, you know, there used to be a joke, you know, uh, living in New England that, uh, you know, with the, with the Patriots, it was the Patriots way. Well, there needs to be a Red Sox way, you know, a, a way of doing things, you know, how we approach the game, you know, who do we look for in pitching, you know, who do we look for in, in hitting, and, and, you know, it starts and then that developmental process begins in the minor leagues. Right. So, you know, and with Theo came here, that was the, the, that's what they called it. The Cubs way is the way that they called it. And right now I just pulled up the Cubs top 10 pitching prospects. Six are position players four are pitching. So <laughs> that just kind of shows you the balance and the balance that you need. Exactly. Uh, I'm gonna sit here and pull up Red Sox top ten prospects, and I think we got one, one pitcher. Right, and and not only that, but there, when you go through the top thirty prospects, there there's a ton of arms in there, and some of them have already kind of. This is going to be the interesting thing about the 2024 Cubs is how many of these guys break through. A couple guys got a little taste. Um, Pete Crow Armstrong came up in September, uh, mid September. He got a little taste. Um. Ben Brown was injured, but he's a pitching prospect. Uh, you had Jordan Wicks started some games in September for the Cubs, but there's a ton of guys like we're, we're actually, and that's why the Cubs, you know, a lot of people are talking. I, I don't know if you guys have been uh, paying attention to this, but the, um, you know, we're, our names being kicked around in the Juan Soto trade, because we have a lot of guys that are at the, that, that we just won the double a championship. The Tennessee Smokies did. Mm -hmm. um, there's a ton of guys in triple a. We just got a lot of guys that have really, know where to go, so to speak. So, I mean, um, you know, we're going to be, that, that's what you use prospects for is to fill in areas of need and to trade to get other things that you need. And so, you know, there, there's just a ton of great, you know, prospects when you start looking at some of these arms. And, and like I said, the thing that I notice more than anything is these are guys that miss bats of velocity, um, you know, and just, they, they got these guys from all over the place, whether it's the draft, whether it's the international free agent market, um, all sorts of things. So, I, I, you know, I'm just excited. And I just hope that the Cubs can somehow replace uh, Craig because it's, it's just, those are big shoes to fill. I think I think that for somebody like me that really enjoys watching the farm systems and I go to a lot of the different minor league parks, um, 
it's been a joy to kind of watch these kids all grow and develop. And, and now they're, like I said, they're all on the bubble and who's going to go where, who we're going to keep and who we're not going to keep, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and I want to correct myself. There's two, we have two pitchers in the top 10, you know, well, Wilkman Gonzalez and Luis Perales and they're nine and 10. So. Where's Mata uh, Jordan, now? Uh, Mata's, I have no idea. Uh, He's one that's been injured, so yeah, you know, dry him down he, a little bit. But no, uh, and, and another thing I wanted to touch on is just like you said, Crawley. But the Cubs and the Red Sox are kind of the same team pre Breslow. We have so many bats, you know, that Hein Bloom was able to sit there and draft and trade for and bring in, but we lack the pitching depth. Uh, I kind of personally wished that Hein Bloom was never given the, that position because I think a one-two condom uh, co- a combination of Hein Bloom and Breslow doing the scouting draft together, that's how we would get a complete team. Hein Bloom would get the bats, Breslow's looking at the pitching, and then they, you know, Breslow went and and helped bring in a lot of people to help develop the people in the minor leagues. Am I right? Yeah. And it's, it was, I think it was what, you know, what you guys were talking about earlier is, and and especially George, I know you mentioned is that there just has to be communication top down. Okay. What are we expecting? What are we looking for? What do we want? And then again, um, what the Cubs have done lately is there's a lot of players that they've had that they've kind of um, that were kind of struggling in the system and have improved. Uh, a big name that your listeners may recognize is Justin Steele. He was in the Cy uh, Young race all the way until mm-hmm. September. He pitched way more innings than he's ever pitched before. Kind of ran out of gas at the end of September. Um, but he had a phenomenal year. Uh, Edbert Alzali was another guy that has been in our system for years. And they developed a slider that all of a sudden became one of his best pitches. And, and he became the closer, you know, after a couple of months. And he was lights out. He helped the Cubs you know, once he, once he solidified the closers role, that's when they went on the run in June, July, August to get them. They were one and a half games behind Milwaukee in September. And it Mm -hmm. was the uh, Diamondbacks that took the Cubs spot, the final spot going into the last weekend of the season. So you see what could possibly happen, but uh, you know, it's not just drafting, but it's also like, are there guys that are just not being used? Are there ways to give guys new pitches? Is there something mechanically that you can fix on a guy you know, there, there's so much that goes into the, the development of these players. And and again, I hate to harp on it, but it's not just the scouting. You could scout them all right and make the right pick. If you don't develop them properly, it's a wasted pick. That, that That's what happens. And so, and again, if you can find a guy and say, hey, you know, we, we see it all the time. There, sometimes you have like catchers or first basemen that just aren't working out. And then you're like, well, hey, can you throw a ball, <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, you, you got a converted pitcher and that, that, that completely changes everything. So you have to be able to, it's such a cliche, but think outside of the box. Communication has got to go top down. Uh, you know, uh, there's, there's just a lot that you can do in the minors. And I feel that, like I said, with all the things that we had, it's, it's just absolutely, it was, it was, it was really clicking and, you know, it's it, it's what scared me because I saw it happen with the Cubs the first time around is mm-hmm. that when you have a, such a great amount of talent in your system in the front office, other teams are looking at that. 
and 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 they're going to start picking them off. And that's the thing that drives you nuts. As as is no different than the players. The front office needs depth. So we haven't heard anything as, you know, obviously there's a lot of, you know, radio silence during the world series. Um, the Craig Breslow thing, I think came before game one. So, um, you know, that, that's just one of those things. We don't know who it's going to be. We don't know if it's going to be someone outside the system. We, we do have, uh, Carter Hawkins is our technically our GM. So Jed Hoyer is the president of baseball ops and Carter Hawkins is a guy that, um, came from Cleveland where you guys know that Cleveland always does a great job of developing pitching as well. So I don't know mm-hmm. if he's got somebody on the outside of the organization, if we're going to fill it internally. Um, but I think if Red Sox fans, you know, you never know how somebody's going to be in the big seat. You know what I mean? It's one thing to be under somebody because when, when you know, everything that happens now is going, when, when Theo was here, it was Theo's fault. When Jed's here, it's Jed's fault. Well, you know, that, that you, when, when you're in the top seat, the buck stops there. So it, it's real different being number two than being number one. So we'll see how, We'll see how um, Craig Breslow deals with it. But, you know, just knowing him and his intellect and not only that, his will, his ability to adapt, I think will be something that'll help him out. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, one thing that, you know, before Breslow got here, uh, Bush was fired, which is our, our pitching coach and the, our triple A pitching coach was let go. So that showed me, and I think it showed George also, how yeah the, how john henry was actually he knows the problems he's going to try to get rid of the problem and he's going to try to fix the problem uh and do you have any ideas uh you know what type of people breslow looks for for pitching coaches i mean when you when you he's obviously going to look for somebody that has you know that's that's smart that's willing to be open to new ideas mm-hmm. I'm sure he has a, you know, a list of names that, you know, people that he wants to bring over. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, but, but again, he, you know, all of these guys, you know, being a former major league player and being in the Cubs system, you're just going to meet people. Right. And mm-hmm. so he, you know, he's going to want somebody that, you know, looks at both things, looks at the human beings and the analytics. And that's going to be the most successful organizations are the organizations that combine the two. It just cannot be, analytics and it just cannot be well my gut says this it has to be a combination of those two things and i think that's what craig breslow is going to look for in somebody but he is somebody that does use the latest um all the pitching technology so i mean obviously you know that's going to be important to him as well as you got to be open-minded to trying some of these things and uh that's what i think he would probably look into but it wouldn't surprise me even if he has some old red Sox pitching teammates that he would like to you know, bring in and, 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 and go that route because, you know, think about it. When, when I think about like the pitchers and stuff like that, it's interesting to hear how they have conversations with each other. Um, when we had two former, you know, uh, when we had Craig Kimbrell, former Red Sox, right. Yeah. We had Craig Kimbrell. He taught you Darvish how to throw a knuckle curve, just kind of just shooting the breeze, you know, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the dugout, you know, you know, you asked him, how do you throw that? And Craig Kimbrough's and, and, and you went out in a, in a game, literally in a game before he ever even practiced it and threw it in a game and, and got a strike, you know, it's those type of things, those conversations that you have. And, and so, you know, I've read a lot of articles about Craig Breslow as well. And, and that's the thing is teammates right away. were like, Oh, that guy's really smart. He's got a future in the front office. Like you just guys kind of know the players know, 
You know, same yeah. thing they used to say about David Ross. That guy's one day going to be a manager. Everybody said it, and here he is as the manager of the Cubs. So I'm sure that during those conversations, all the years going through all these systems, he's met people that he put in the back of his head. That guy's that guy's special. That guy's got something. And now that he's he's been making the calls here pretty much for the pitching stuff here, and I'm sure he'll do the same thing over in uh, in Boston. Yeah, Carl, it was kind of funny uh, seeing Twitter, you know, go up uh... – where a couple names, like you mentioned, former Red Sox pitchers were like, oh, well, well maybe he was going to be a, a, you know, pitching guy. So we got John Lester was brought up on Twitter, you know, which, which I would sit there and, and love to, to bring him home <laughs> because he should have never left in the first place. Huge mistake, but thank you. Uh, I, I, I've seen on Twitter uh, a, a man that's probably – has free drinks for life in Boston, Keith Folk. You know, he was he was actually in our minor league uh, system uh, a, a while back. You know, sh- showing the kids and 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 working w- with them. So it's it's going to be quite interesting. You know who uh, we're going to bring in, but it's it's going to be an exciting uh, off season, and I can't wait to see Breslow get to work. Well, let's just put it one way, though. I think your listeners need to be understanding that it just because they were in Boston doesn't mean that they have to be from Boston. You can find Cub fans go into the same mentality of like, you know, when we have a managerial opening, let's get Joe Girardi. Well, no, you don't have to do that. You can you can, you know, smart organizations sometimes look outside to kind of get things. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sure Craig has guys that might be within the Boston system, maybe out of the Boston system, mm-hmm. but even if they don't come from there, that, that's okay too. As far as John Lester, the answer is no. So for all you, your, your Boston listeners out there, trust me, we all thought the same thing here in Chicago. John Lester is very content and happy living his best life, but I'm going to give you a little Lester story right here. Um, John Lester is obviously a very famous left-handed pitcher. And Mm -hmm. so was our Cy Young candidate, Justin Steele. And so Justin Steele was battling in 2022 for the fifth starter spot, uh, along with a couple other guys in 2022. And so all of a sudden he's pitching, he's starting for the Cubs. And, you know, David Ross is sitting there and who gives him a phone call? John Lester. Lester and Justin Steele, both Southern boys, both lefties, big hard throwing, you know, both lefties, you know. He gave some advice to Ross to pass on to Steele. I don't know what it is, but whatever happened, the second half of Justin Steele's 2022, after he got that info, Mm -hmm. completely changed him into, he was, Justin Steele in the second half of 2022 was one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. Okay, nobody knew because the Cubs were just awful and, you know what I mean? But, But he brought it in 2023 just as good and kept it rolling. So would I love John Lester to be a pitching coach? Absolutely. But I also think hundred percent, he's a guy drinking a beer, watching the game, spending time with his family and just enjoying it without all the pressure, you know, you know, just, just enjoying life, man. It, it would be wonderful to have Lester back in the game. Of course, I just don't see it happening. But again, you know, having those type of contacts where Lester can just on his cell phone, dial up Ross and, you know, Ross, <laughs> Hey, tell the kid to do this. Okay, boom. You know, so I don't think it's going to happen, but it it is. These are guys that are very intelligent and they see things that we might miss. I think Uh, to remember, uh, too. uh, I'm sorry. uh, No, no, go ahead, George. I think to remember, too. I mean, you know, he 
pitched in the better part of 12 years in the majors. So, you know, he didn't just play for the Red Sox. He, you know, he was with the Athletics for a while, the Twins, the Indians, uh, what, uh, I think the Marlins and the D-backs too. So, you know, when you go around the, the majors like that and, you know, get to a, a you know, a whole bunch of different clubs. You you meet a lot of guys. You play with a lot of guys. You become friendly with a lot of guys. Okay, yeah. and and your pitching philosophy and things like change. And it's the old story. You know, take the best and leave the rest. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's the thing that's been the hallmark of him since moving to the front office. So yeah, you know, there may be some dark horse candidates that you know we're not even thinking of. And you know, he pitched with him in Oakland, and he says, "Yeah, this is a guy I know. We have a similar mindset and you know approach, and I and I know that he believes in the same things I believe in." So you know, I think there'll be some dark horse candidate that'll come up, and we may not even know who it is. You know, it'd be nice to have Lester back in Boston. You know, again. Uh, you know, considering everything he went through as a younger player, and uh, I'm I'm with Rich. He should never have left, but you know, consider. Yeah, but if he doesn't Chicago. leave, I don't have I don't I don't get to brag about being World Series champions, man. I had to wait. A, my family had to wait 108 years without John Lester. That doesn't happen. Well, the Red Sox fans are known for being generous, Crawley. So you know that. <laughs> I, I like I said, man. I, I, you know, when they signed John Lester for Cub fans, that was like a oh my this could this could happen you know that that and, and it's funny because Theo and Jed actually when they made their pitch to Lester said you know showed him uh obviously you guys broke your own curse in 2004 but Lester wasn't on that team and so right. one of the pitches was they had when they they had some sort of video or something of John Lester on the mound of game 7 with the Cubs winning the world series now obviously he didn't close it out but he pitched three innings in game 7 of the world series. And, and, and here he's another guy that will never pay for drinks uh, ever in Chicago. You know, he was, he was beloved and, and, and John Lackey as well. And so those guys are just, you know, they came over here and, and, and they had success and it was a lot of fun, but you know, you got a good one in Craig Breslow. I think if, if what you're, you know, if what you're doing is trying to rebuild pitching, he's exactly the guy you want to have. And, and now this is going backwards. You know, we, you know, our loss is your gain. Yeah, uh, Georgia. And any more comments at all? Oh no, I I, I thoroughly agree with what Crawley said. Um, you know, what goes around comes around. Um, <laughs> no, I mean we, you know, since the Theo Epstein era, you know, that we developed an awful lot of good front end uh, front office folks. They've gone to other organizations. Um, we're a little bit thin in that department now. So now our job is to come go pick off you know, some quality people out of other people's front offices and start the whole process again. If you don't do that, you die as an organization. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, excited that Breslau is coming on board simply because of the way, you know, uh, he's made the transition and just being as smart as he is. So, and, and your friends, again, I don't have to tell them this, but, but there's a little bit of patience involved. There's going to, it's going to take some time. This is not going to be a snap of the finger and you're going to have the top five farm system. You know, you, if, if you're, you know, if you're in bad shape, it, it takes a little bit of time and, and it may be painful again for Cub fans in think about this in a stretch of a little over 24 hours, we lost three of the most beloved Cubs of this generation in Rizzo, Bias, and Bryant. That mm-hmm. was that was the price of playing poker if you want to restock the system, and I don't know if Boston's going to do that. I don't I, I don't know that like like you guys do in depth, 
But we had to once again, and, and again, as a big market team, you hate this idea of losing and trading guys and just giving guys up. But that's what we've done the last few years. And, and some of those prospects that I told you about in our farm system, um, we got in trades, we got Ben Brown in a trade, I want to say with the Phillies for Dave Robertson. He's our number five prospect. Number two, Cade Horton. They got him in the draft from Oklahoma. Uh, when you talk about Jackson Ferris, got him in the draft. Jordan Wicks got him in the draft. But we also got other guys um, that are in our top 30 prospects. Caleb Killian, we got in the Chris Bryant trade. He's number 23. And other guys as well that we just got from trades. And, and that's just not a fun part of it. You don't like to lose, like, like I said, beloved players. But I, like I said, if you want to rebuild and restock the farm system – you know, the teams that get the best picks are the ones that have the worst records. So that's kind of where you go, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> you you were on for the trade deadline show, you know, and we were sitting there talking about Otani. And I think, I still think to this day, the Angels made the biggest mistake not trading Otani for the amount of rebuilding of the farm system they could have done for Otani, you know, you guys went and gave up three of your most beloved people. And now you guys are setting yourself up for a successful future there in Chicago. It's, it, you, you, you know, every, every team's different, you know, I, the angels farm system, obviously, you know, they, they were such a mess and they traded a bunch of guys at the end, which I hope they changed that rule. Cause that was garbage that a bunch of teams got, you know, I feel like if you, take someone off the waiver wire, then you need to go back at the end of the line. You can't keep cutting in front of the line and taking guys like uh, the angels just kind of made a mess of that. So I hope they fix that. But uh, the Cubs did the same thing though, this year, they took a risk and they decided to go for it rather than trading um, Cody Bellinger, who was on, on a one-year deal. Mm -hmm. And um, we had Marcus Stroman was pitching really well at the time and had an awful second half after, you know, post all-star uh i think he did i think he did good in ball against boston was the only game that he actually pitched good in for the whole rest right. of the second half mm -hmm. and so you know they, they made a call but our farm system again like you said better shape than the angels but uh sometimes the thinking goes you know it's where you are as a team if your farm system's depleted then it would have been smarter to trade them if if your farm system's healthy the cubs thinking in this one was you know, let Bellinger have a, you know, a whole year in Chicago, and that might give us the upper hand in resigning him if he enjoys it, he likes playing here, um, those type of things. So that was the thinking with the Cubs mentality on the trade deadline. But like I said, we also got a lot of guys that hopefully will come up. And if not, you know, like I said, if we got to trade some guys to try to get Juan Soto, we have the farm system to do that where we're not going to, we're not going to raid the cupboard bear. You know what I mean? It's, that's not going to happen. You know, we may have to lose two or three guys that we don't want to lose, but what's the famous saying? You'll always take exclamation points over question marks. Yeah. So, so, so uh, quick question about, you know, you brought up Bellinger. Uh, what are the, you know, the rumblings out there uh, with you guys? Do you have, you have a good shot at re-signing Bellinger? That's a tough one. Um, so our number one prospect is a guy named Pete Crow Armstrong. The Cubs traded Javi Baez to get Pete Crow Armstrong and New York's kicking themselves in the butts for that one. Um, I would, so Cody, we, the Cubs do have just an awful, awful history of center fielders. Like you could sit there and go every position first, second, short, third, and I can name you a hall of famer without, you know, anything center field has just been an absolute, we've not had a homegrown center fielder since I can't even 
I'm trying to think of one, maybe Rick Monday, I, I you know, <laughs> in the seventies, you know, Rick Monday? yeah, well, that's, that's what I'm talking about. We have no center fielders. So even though, even though, you know, obviously he came from the Mets, um, PCA went through, uh, started in low a for us, you know, and, and went all the way through the system. So we haven't had like a guy that's the center fielder. We had a couple guys, Kenny Lofton, we had for half a year. We had Dexter Fowler, I think for two or three years. Um, but we haven't had that stud center fielder. And so having Cody Bellinger and I have season tickets in the bowl, but every now and then I like to go out in the bleachers and just get a different perspective, see the game from a different angle and watching Cody Bellinger playing defense was like, a, Oh my God, this is what a center fielder should look like. Not a converted short second baseman, not, not, not a, not a, a somewhat speedy left fielder, like a legit center fielder and watching Cody Bellinger just make those plays was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's going to be expensive to bring them back. Now for the Cubs, the weakness that we have is first base. And so Cody Bellinger, he hurt his knee, I want to say in May against Houston. And when he came back, he plays some first base. And he mm -hmm. played excellent at first base. And it was when he came back and played first, and then we had a journeyman named Mike Talkman play center, and he kind of had a little bit of a run that was good, but then he kind of came back to earth. But when he went, when when uh, Talkman was playing center and Bellinger was playing first, that's how we made the run. So the question would be, we got guys in left and right. We got uh, Ian Happ and Seiya Suzuki in left and right. Um, Seiya has, I think, another three years on his contract, and I want to say Ian has another two. Both guys have no trade clauses. So that's something to keep in mind. So, I mean, in an ideal world, left field, you'd have uh, Cody Bellinger and center PCA. That would be my ideal world. PCA, when you guys see him, this kid just makes unbelievable catches, one of the fastest guys in baseball. I am praying to the baseball gods he becomes our version of Corbin Carroll because when, when he gets on base – he just makes things happen. It, it's it's stolen base first, to first, a third, maybe home, that type of stuff. So I don't know. Again, I, I don't think though that Cody Bellinger, obviously with the season he had, he's going to be able to dictate what he wants to do. So I see him wanting to play center field. And mm -hmm. so I think that for the Cubs, the question would be, okay, if we don't sign Cody Bellinger, we have to replace his bat. We'll be okay replacing his defense with PCA. It's the it's the bat. If we don't have his numbers, he saved us this year. And so, would it be a Pete Alonso? Could we make a trade with New York for Pete Alonso? Um, is it someone at third? Maybe you know Heimer Candelario. We we got him in a trade for the after the trade deadline. Um, is he a guy that's going to want to stay? But even him, like, is he going to? We really don't. We had a lot of guys. We had six guys with twenty or more home runs but we didn't have any of those big thumping 35, 40 home run guys that can just, mm. there was no guy in the, in the lineup that really scared you that you were like, Oh God, here's comes this guy with guys on base other than Bellinger. So if you don't have mm -hmm. him, who are you going to have that? That's what has to get replaced. And so it'd be great. I just don't see Cody wanting to play an everyday first base spot. Now, can we do some things where we kind of DH, uh, you know, and kind of just shuffle and give some guys rest? Maybe. So I just don't know how it's all going to play out. Well, uh, curious about where would Juan Soto fit in then? You know, you got two, like you said, two non-trade clauses. You got that, you got that uh, young prospect. And I remember you talking about him on when you were on our podcast earlier. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I, you know, it's just again that's where the DH comes in and and just trying to kind of give guys days off and rest and all that stuff. That would kind of be um, kind of how I would look at it. So. 
I, you know, the Cubs DH system, DH has always been a problem since the DH came in here, obviously, or a National League team. The DH was something new. Um, so we, a lot of times like we use like backup catchers as your DH. It's like, uh, can, can, can we get a guy that can like, can can, with a little thump if we're going to have a DH? Like, I think the Cubs kind of use the DH sometimes as like, uh, you know, give a guy a rest day. So he's not on the field, but his bat's still in the lineup, but I would rather have just like a big thumper in his DH. That would be to me fun. You know, I think that's the purpose of the DH rather than just giving guys rest or days off their feet. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious, obviously this off season for the Cubs is a big one. They have uh, Jason Hayward's contract coming off the books, 22, $23 million. Um, mm-hmm. Our, our owners talked about wanting to stay close to the salary cap. So my guess, I think the salary cap is at what, or the luxury tax. I keep saying salary cap luxury tax is about what? $237 million. <laughs> Or 235, somewhere in there. Right, I thought maybe, it was maybe, maybe 237, but yeah, in that I, area. I, I think it goes goes up next year to I, 2024. 2024 is 237, yeah. right? Yeah, what do you got for us? But either way, I think that the Cubs are going to be close. I, I'd be, I would put them at the 220 to 230 range. So, I mean, if if Bellinger doesn't come back, and uh, obviously, like I said, the Hayward contract is off the books. Uh, there's questions about Marcus Stroman. I don't think he'll opt out. He has an opt out, but uh, he looked like he was going to opt out with the first half he was having as an all-star and then absolutely was awful in the second half, injured and couldn't play. So, uh, you know, I, I would say, um, you know, he'll probably still be here, but you know, you're still talking with, with Hayward and with, uh, with Bellinger coming off the books, you got 35 to 40 to play with. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I, but they, but if the Cubs want to take that next step, they they can't go cheap. Okay. They, they got to go big. They got to swing at something. And and like I said, whether that's Bellinger coming back or whether that's getting someone to replace Bellinger, you, they have to make moves to make, make that next step. Mm-hmm. Watching this postseason, you know, you can just see how the Cubs are close, but not in that league. Yeah. Uh, one name you mentioned uh, is another team that I'm looking forward to seeing what they do in the, in the, po- uh, in the off season is the Mets with Pete Alonzo. Yeah. Because Pete Alonzo, I, I sit there, I remember him saying, I ain't chasing nothing anymore. Like he wants out, you know? And, and I remember seeing a pop-up in foul territory and I see the second baseman r- running over. Alonzo could have easily took three, four, five steps over there to, to go get it. Second baseman ran over, caught it, and then looked over Alonzo. Alonzo just shook his head at him, you know? So, uh, and the and the Mets are, are saying they want Shohei, they want Yamamoto. You can't even keep the people happy if you have, you know. Uh, with them, they got the deep deep pocketbooks. You know, Big Daddy Steve Cohen doesn't care what he spends. So the, the the you know, I think for for a guy like Alonzo, he's a guy who's seen a lot of disaster with the Mets. Uh, if you're a new guy coming in, I think that that might you know the money will be attractive, and I, I think. You know, we'll see what happens, but Pete Alonzo absolutely kills the Cubs. So he's one of those guys that, you know, if he's on your team and even if he's doing bad, at least he's not killing you. Last time we faced him in New York, he hit four home runs in three games. And we're just, as Cub fans, going nuts. Like, he's the one guy that can hurt you. Don't throw him a pitch. Just put up the four sign and let him take first base. He literally killed us. So it would be interesting to see what he would do at Wrigley Field. And uh, like I said, the Cubs would really could really benefit. Like, I just want a guy that can bop, man. I want a guy that can hit. I want tape measure home runs is what I want. So we'll see if he can do that at uh, Wrigley. I'd say he can sit there and easily uh, take care of your problem at first. 
And, you know, Chapman's a free agent. He could take care of uh, over third base for you, too. Yeah, you know, I know Chapman had that bad second half, and so kind of they've been looking at that. Um, we got a guy in Christopher Morrell, and he's an interesting player. Um, he's a kid, and, you know, he's a little – he's got a little bit of hobby bias in him, a lot of flair. Um, and when he hits the ball, boy, does that ball just pop off the bat. It's like a Super Bowl going out. <laughs> you know, it's like he's playing with an aluminum bat, and he's he has the flair for the dramatic. He's, he smiles. He's one of the greatest kids you'll ever meet, one of the sweetest, nicest kids. And But but they've kind of, like, used him in every position other than pitcher and catcher. Like he's been, like, everywhere, and he hasn't settled on a spot. And so um, he's going to be playing some Dominican League baseball in the Leadham League. And so the, the hope is that he'll get, he's going to be there for a month. I think they want to see how he does at third. Um, so I think that's a question too. And the only thing about him too, though, is, is, is like Javi Baez is that when he take sometimes when he takes the ball the other way to right and doesn't have to hit the home run, he'll do good. But sometimes when he gets too pull happy, you could throw a slider and the guy would be swinging. You're going, what in the yeah. hell are you swinging at? But again, boy, he, he didn't even start the season with the Cubs, he started, he started last year. He came up last year in 2022, played a whole bunch. And then they wanted to work on some things hitting wise came up in about May of 2023 and then led the team in home runs. So, you know, that just kind of shows the power. It's just, can you get him to be a little bit more disciplined at the plate? And again, yeah. You know, if all of a sudden you see a spinning slider right in the middle of the plate, then go ahead and, and pull that one and put it on Waveland. But, you know, if a guy's, you know, pitching you outside, sometimes you got to be able to go the other way and just take the single or maybe even a double out of it. Yeah. George? Yeah, I mean, your problems in Chicago are not unlike our problems in Boston. Uh, We need pitching, okay? Uh, We need a powerful right-handed bat. Uh, But, you know, in our case, we need – two, probably three front end starters. And, you know, that's, you know, that's an expensive um, thing to try to pull off, you know, whether it be free agency or trades or whatever. So the capital is going to come from someplace. Right. And, and then- <laughs> uh, it, it, right now, right now, at least, uh, you know, I'm sure Cubs fans were happy enough that they came close, but didn't make it right now. Boston fans have had enough. You know, you know, enough last place finishes, and you know, I think every club's off season is you know meant to get better. Um, I think there's a real sense of urgency here in Boston. Um, I, I think that you know, and, and Rip will agree. I, you know, the fans are they're restless, okay, and they they are they're ready to to kill something. You know, they're at that stage right now, so. I'm not sure the patience factor is going to be there. Um, you know, we're kind of like, you know, with patience with bloom and the patience has run out. They might get another season out of that here. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you're only as good as your, your farm system because your farm system either develops players you bring up or develops players that other teams want so that you can get the assets you can't develop. So, you know, it's, I, I think that it's, it's that important and you need to build that for the long run. It sounds like you guys are starting to do that in Chicago and there's a glimmer of hope for us. And like I said, we have some thumpers on there, but you know, pitching, we need to develop more of. So, right. And and I would just, like I said, you know, a lot of Cub fans didn't have patience. They're frustrated. You don't want to be a major market team and see your team in last place or fifth place or whatever. 
The only thing I could tell you is after the initial shock of an anger of losing all of our favorite players in 2021, I kind of turned my attention and, and, and kind of separated myself from the fan to a guy that's okay. Let me, let me see what I can do. Let's kind of look at, let's see, let me see what the plan is. And so I don't know if Boston's going to be in first. I mean, you guys obviously are in one of the toughest divisions in baseball. Um, and that's something the Cubs have going for them is they're in right now, one of the weakest, well, actually, we actually, you know, Milwaukee, Cincinnati and the Cubs actually did pretty good this year. They actually mm-hmm. ended up being a better division than we thought. Um, and, and watch out for Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. They're a team that is stacked as far as young players are concerned. Uh, but I would say that, you know, it, it's, you know, fans are going to be upset if you don't have wins. That's, that's obvious. But for me, the last yeah. few years has basically been spent like, well, what are they doing? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, look at that guy. Wait, what about this? Oh, okay. Now I see what they're doing. Now I see it's making some sense. And so there's no guarantees in baseball, gentlemen. You guys know that more than anyone as much as we do. Um, no guarantees in baseball, but I will say that, you know, if you do your best. And so the guys that the Cubs got in exchange for the guys that we love, the, like when you talk about PCA, one of our best prospects, when you talk about Kevin Alcantara, he's called El Jaguar. He's in the AFL league right now. Uh, just absolutely phenomenal. When you talk about Chris Bryant and you got Alexander Canario and, uh, you know, you start looking at some of these guys that you got and you're like, okay. And then not only that, it just helps us a little bit that all the guys that we got rid of ended up not doing successful after they left. So, you know, Rizzo was probably the best. He obviously had the concussion this year, but I think Rizzo was also in the perfect situation where they didn't need him to be their first or second best hitter. Plus he's playing in, uh, you know, New York where you got that short porch. So it ended up, I think, working out great for Rizzo. He was the one guy I wish they would have kept just for some continuity and for the fans. But, you know, there may be some tough, you know, times ahead if you're really going to do it the way that the Cubs did it. I don't know what uh, Craig Breslow has got up their sleeves, but it may take a little bit of patience. And that's where the pesky pool is going to have to keep fans off the ledge and just <laughs> let them know, hey, you guys are going to be all right. There's a plan in here. Let's see what happens. Yeah, uh, you know, George is up there in, in Maine, you know, getting to see uh, our Sea Dogs, our double-A team. And we have – that Ooh. thing's going to be stacked. You know, that was stacked. I can't wait to see what the – you know, where they pan out and where they're going to, you know – go to some are going to get to go to triple a you know some are going to stay there for you know another season but i i enjoyed getting more in depth and bringing on the minor league players talk to them get to you know get to know them and see what heim bloom's you know vision was in essence you know putting all these pieces together uh some of them are might be hard to see you get let go, but when you you are in a need, George brought up earlier, we need two possibly three front end starters. We can't afford, you know, all three of them through free agency. A two two in a trade I can see, but to get a good front line starter like a Corbin Burns, you know, you gotta sit there and you're gonna have to give up somebody, and yeah. uh, it. It hurts, but if you want that, if you want that World Series, you know, look, look, look at the World Series we're in right now. Well, two years ago, both yeah. teams hundred losses. That's the other, crazy. The other, the other thing you want to take a look at when you look at those two teams is what I keep reminding Cub fans is that the way that we did it, at least in 2016, was identify your young cornerstones and then fill in your needs in free agency. 
And you see that very much with Texas, with what Texas mm -hmm. has done. And then obviously Arizona is a little bit, you know, a small, much smaller market team as compared to say like, you know, Cubs or Boston. Uh, they have a lot, they don't have as expensive as a payroll, but those are also young players as well. So to me, getting the young players and then mixing in the veterans, like I said, who are your cornerstones that you're going to build upon? And then who are the guys that are going to take you to the next level? And that's what the Cubs did in 2015, in 2016, when you got Ben Zobrist, when you got Jason Hayward, when you got John Lester, when you got John Lackey, when you traded for Araldis Chapman, that when you know what you have and you got those cornerstones, spend the money and get those pieces that are going to take you over the top. Yep. Exactly. So, uh, George, any final thoughts? Uh, no, no. This, this this has been great. Um, you know, somebody's perspective. You know, who has seen um, Breslow in action for the last few years, and that that's always great. So, uh, thanks, Crawley, as always. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. And like I said, good luck to you this off season. Don't take any of the guys we want, and we won't take any of the guys you want. And then. Uh, <laughs> And then hopefully, like I said, we'll talk next season. And uh, hopefully you guys have a good year, except when you face the Cubs. Yeah. So, hey, Crawley, thanks for coming on, uh, like always. Uh, there's nobody else I could have thought of to talk to you about Breslow other than yeah. you. So uh, thanks for giving us, you know, so much of your time throughout the season. That trade deadline show was what was fun. It was fun. You, uh, Don, uh, Don was on from the, covering the Reds with the Brewers guy on, and then you guys were all like, you know, uh, mingling. And and I love that, you know, that I can't wait till next year, uh, you know, when we do another trade deadline show. I'm hoping to sit there and do an NL and an AL, you know, separate shows. And, you know, we're definitely going to be sitting there and, and getting a hold of you for the series, also. Sounds good, guys. You take care and have a great season. Yep, take care, Ben. You too, brother. So, you know, one thing that might be interesting, and I'm just kind of throw this out there, uh, you know, maybe kind of, you know, put together a list of all people that we can all know each other. Like I got some Marlins guys or something. Let's put some sort of uh, something together. You know, my email is just Crawley's, uh, Crawley. I think uh, I can send you my email. I think you have it. Um, but maybe let's put together some sort of list of teams we have of, of, of other podcasts that we can all kind of shoot the breeze with. Sure. Well, definitely, definitely. I'll sit there and send that over to you right after. Uh, right yeah, we after can we can maybe make like a spreadsheet or something. You know what I mean? Uh, Google Sheets or whatever the hell it's called. So okay. okay. Take care, guys. Yep. Thanks, man. So, guys, man, I I love the Breslow talk. You know, I'm kind of excited to you know to hear from him. Yeah, we had some tough times. You had to give up people. But look what they got, you know, in the long run, and I can't wait for that. So, guys, like always, if you want to listen to us, check us out on Apple. Check us out on Spotify. Head over to the YouTube channel. I'm going to throw out a big contest. Uh, I'm going to be giving away one of my uh, prized autographed jerseys for someone. Uh -huh. All you got to do is, is subscribe to our YouTube channel, and, you know, we're going to work that out. Uh, this Wednesday, we're going to be putting out our new show, separate show. If you're down for stats, statistic, analytics, you're not going to want to uh, miss that show. Uh, and like always, head on over to our website and get yourself a shirt. I got me a Mikasa Sue Casas shirt. George has got, you know, his 
pesky uh, podcast logo shirt. We've got the hoodies out there now. So, guys, thanks for sitting there stopping by and check us out next time on the Pesky Podcast.